I just wanted to put a quick trigger warning for talks of self-harm and suicide in this episode. Um, there's a whole section where we talk about it from 11 minutes to about 29 minutes into the episode. Um, please take precaution if this is something triggering to you. And I also just want to note that um, the sound in this episode might be a bit weird because of connection issues while recording. Thank you. Have a great day. Hello, everyone. This is Blue is a New Gate podcast, and today we present you episode two, Uncommon Mental Disorders. Uh, we're very new to this podcast thing, so please forgive us for any mistakes, and we shall begin. I'm Itharth. I'm Asha. Um, I'm Hiva. And I'm Mahi. With uh, one mental disorder that I've researched, I researched uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. Many of us have heard about this, and uh, technically, this is common in a way that we could we know about it, but we don't realize how common it is. Like, uh, what causes post-traumatic stress disorder is a terrifying event that um, you know stresses a person a lot. So this can uh, include. Uh, you know, an event including death, whether that be actual or threatened death, serious injury, an illness, or uh, violence or assault. And uh, what this leads to, this triggering event, is uh, many symptoms, symptoms that remind you of the triggering event. So flashbacks, memories, severe anxiety, overall something that uh, stresses you a lot and uh, makes you uh, have a lot of fear. So many of these symptoms can be categorized in four groups. The first of which is intrusive memories. Uh, this can be, you know, um, mem- like memories, flashbacks, uh, things that you don't want to have, but they keep reminding you of the terrifying event. The second group is avoidance, which would be avoiding things that remind you of the terrifying event. Third group is negative changes in thinking and mood. So just negativity overall, hopelessness, uh, difficulty maintaining relationships with people and friendships, feeling detachment. And the fourth group is changes in physical and emotional reactions. So being easily frightened, you know, always standing guard, um, a self-destructive behavior, And uh, these are just some of the symptoms. Um, Over time, uh, you can uh, treat post-traumatic stress and make it better. So uh, the main form of treatment is uh, psychotherapy and medication. And basically this uh, kind of teaches you to address your symptoms and how to think better about yourself and others and just how to cope with your symptoms. That's pretty much it. If you have any questions, you guys, about this and something general, I could try to answer from what I researched. Um, I mean, I never really knew what PTSD really was on its own. Um, I didn't know it was like a, was like a stress disorder, but um, I think. Um, stress disorders aren't talked about enough because I clearly didn't know um, much about it. So, wait, um, it's, I guess, cause is, um, when one goes through, like, a 
um, what do, what do you call it? A terrifying event. What? A terrifying event or a trauma? Yeah, trauma. So if they go through trauma, most likely they would suffer from PTSD, which yes. is like um, reoccurring memories of that. Yeah, basically. Yeah, and it doesn't, like, always happen. I think, from what I know, I'm pretty sure it's, like, based off of, like, a person's own mental health before or even after it happened and how things kind of laid out. So it's not something that happens all the time. It just happens to certain people. It's probably the capability as well, like, how much they can handle, I guess, because some people, like, obviously murderers, they can just murder and they won't care. Whereas if someone else like, um, like maybe accidentally slaps their sibling, they would probably you know be be really upset. I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, if you guys don't mind, I'm gonna do mine. Mm-hmm. Um, with ADHD. So ADHD just stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, and it's like. A mental health disorder that causes like above normal levels of hyperactive behaviors for example like the symptoms some symptoms obviously don't self-diagnose i'm just putting that out there but some of the symptoms are like trouble focusing on tasks or concentrating or being forgetful about completing certain tasks being easily distracted having difficulty sitting still and interrupting people while they're talking like I know this is like cer- these are really general and like just because you have these symptoms does not necessarily mean you have ADHD because ADHD is like a really ab- above normal not abnormal above normal version of that like people with ADHD like also have trouble focusing their attention on a single task or sitting still for like a long amount of time like they need to keep active that's where the hyperactive part comes in Adults and children can have ADHD. They can both be diagnosed. Um, There's like different types of ADHD. One of them is predominantly inattentive. And like the name, it kind of, people with this kind of ADHD, again, have extreme difficulty focusing or finishing stuff. And some experts have also said that children with the inattentive type of ADHD may not receive a proper diagnosis because they don't tend to disrupt in the classroom. So it's like, you can't really um, single it out that easily because it's hard to diagnose. And this type is most common among girls, like children and girls with ADHD. Another one is predominantly hyperactive impulsive type. And people with this type of ADHD show like hyperactive and impulsive behavior like fidgeting or interrupting people when they're talking and not being able to wait their turn. Again, like these are like general versions. There is obviously certain things that they do for diagnosis. And even though inattention is a less of a concern with this type of ADHD, people with this type of ADHD can still find it difficult to focus on tasks. Like there's no thing that says if you have this type of ADHD, you don't have these other symptoms. It's kind of like a gray area. And the third main one is combined hyperactive, impulsive, and inatten- inattentive type. 
this is the most common one because the symptoms are combined. There's no specific thing. And they include the inability to pay attention, a tendency towards impulsiveness, and again, above normal types, levels of activity and energy. So it's really different. Um, a lot of these symptoms are very general, like I mentioned a bunch of times, because there's no specific thing, like a diagnosis requires more than just looking at the symptoms and there's like certain tests for it. So there's a lot of differences from what I found out. And ADD is, I'm just gonna quickly say what it is. It's attention deficit or disorder. It's an outdated term. It was previously used to describe people who have problems paying attention, but they aren't hyperactive. So ADD and ADHD are somewhat different. ADHD is like the cover, sorry, the current overarching name of the condition because like they noticed different symptoms and so they like redefined it kind of, but ADD does somewhat exist. It's just outdated. And there is different like children ADHD and adult ADHD. So there are different symptoms and in children or adults, it could be like more um, life-threatening, I guess. It's not really life-threatening, but for many people, ADHD symptoms decrease or become less frequent as they get older. So children can have really hyperactive um, reactions to things, but once you kind of start coping with it, like getting treatment is like it gets better. And again, treatment is important. Untreated ADHD in adults can have a negative impact in many things in their life. And also like in relationships they have with their family and colleagues and stuff. So if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them from what I know. Yeah, so that's what ADHD is. Go ahead. So both, wait, so ADHD and then ADD, was it? Yeah. ADHD and ADD. Um, so none of those two really, because um, I think if anyone just, because uh, attention deficit, whatever I was trying to say, that basically um, means someone has like a low um, attention span, right? A span, right? Um, but when I heard of ADHD at first, I always thought it was someone who regularly like wanted attention, not as in like an attention speaker way, but as in like they don't get enough so that they um, just want attention from like, it can either be like friends, family, um, just anyone as in a way to get help or just to, I guess, feel love. Um, is there not, well, yeah, well, I don't think you would know, but was there anything like that written when you were um, researching ADHD and ADD? It's not really like always attention. It's like, for example, let's say there's a conversation going on and they're talking about something and someone else is talking, but you suddenly get an idea and you have to get it out. Like ADHD is not being able to hold on to that idea. Um, like that's one of the symptoms, like not being able to hold on and you say it. And that's where like the interrupting people part comes in. And it's not always for attention. It's because they're hyperactive and like they like have that urge to like get it out, I guess, if that makes any sense. So just basically impulsive. Yeah, exactly. That's the word. That's the word. I missed it, but 
they're really impulsive. When you have ADHD, you're really hyperactive and impulsive, even when you don't necessarily mean to be, I guess. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. Um, well, I'll just present one of, or share one of mine. Um, it's not really, I guess, hmm, I'm, I'm not really sure if this would really come under mental illness is but this is something that I personally um researched a lot just because I guess it was some like a topic of interest um but uh, whereas it might not actually be like a mental condition whereas like um how do you say it like PTSD is um or anxiety or any of that um this one's more like I guess a physical condition but the underlying cause of it is psychological so I guess it would still go under it. Um, it's basically um self-injury and cutting. Um, I I was I was really debating if I should say this one for um um the suicide awareness month, which is I'm pretty sure September. But um, there's a difference between like non-suicidal self-injury and like suicidal injury. Um, so. I I basically researched um non-suicidal self-injury because I'm sure many of us at times have um injured ourselves whereas it can be like something pretty big like actually injuring yourself with um like items or it can be something small as in like um just like picking at one spot on your skin and just peeling it off or something um and so non-suicidal self-injury is just basically um kind of like an act where you just harm your own body which is like cutting or burning yourself um and usually it's not meant to be like a suicide attempt it's just a way to cope with stress or whatever you're dealing with um like emotional pain or intense anger and frustration um so most most of the time um like the injuries aren't life-threatening and um half the time they're not intended either like life-threatening injuries aren't intended um, but I think this is something we should really talk about because, um, everybody thinks cutting ha- refers to suicide, um, someone trying to take their own life, whereas it can simply just be a way for someone to emotionally cope with whatever they're dealing with. Um, so some symptoms or signs, because I guess you can't really see symptoms, but there's signs you can see physically, um, maybe scars, which are in, like patterns or fresh cuts scratches, bruises, and bite marks, or, like, other type of wounds, um, that don't look like they would be an accident, um, excessive rubbing of an area to create, like, a burn, um, keeping sharp objects on hand or close by, wearing long sleeves or long pants, even in hot weather, like, that's, I'm pretty sure that's a big one that most people, um, they think about it, but they don't actually act on it, so, you would if anybody asks you um what's like one sign that you think is most common um if you're trying to like find out if a family member is dealing with um self-injury people would probably say um long sleeves or long pants but when the time comes um and they do uh encounter that individual they usually don't think of it as anything um like um also if you're a friend or something they like frequently hurt themselves like and they say it's accidental um 
and even difficulty difficulties in like interpersonal relationships like per, uh, relationships with other people um and then just like behavioral and emotional instability um somewhat of impulsivity impulsivity and like um unpre- unpredictability um and then even like statements or uh like words of helplessness hope uh, hopelessness and worthlessness is also often um maybe not self-injury but someone is dealing with emotional um stress and so there's a bunch of different forms like self-injury can literally go at anything but um some of the most common ones is obviously cutting um or like severe scratches with like a sharp object scratching with like your nails or just yeah okay yeah that um burning with like matches or cigarettes or um or like sharp objects or even just burning like um you just put your hand on top of the stove or touch something hot on purpose um carving words or symbols on the skin like you see a pattern of um words or symbols appearing um self-hitting punching or head banging on the wall i mean at times people do that not in a way to deal with just like um you know if you like um lose a game or something you would just like not really intentionally bang but just you know um but this is like actually hurting yourself like banging it hard um piercing the skin with like sharp objects as a kid i'm pretty sure many of you guys because I, I, I know i was too scared to do it but you know when you get like poppies during remembrance day just take the pin of it and just like poke it through your skin ah Oh my god, yeah, people used to do that all the time. I could never, I could never, I would always cringe. Um, and so yeah, those are just some of the most common ones. Um, and most frequent, but frequently, um, where people would, um, I guess self harm or self injure is um on the arms, um, and most areas are like areas um that can't be seen by people, so um maybe like the upper thigh um upper upper arm like anything like that so basically they can um harm the harm their self themselves anywhere but arms and the legs are the most common places um most people though they only self-injure a few times and then they stop but um kind of it's kind of like a human thing that once you do something frequently even if it's a few times it would become into a habit um and so, uh, wait, um, so some causes of these, obviously, no one can really determine one cause of it unless you specifically, like, just go and ask that individual, but chances are they probably won't tell you, but some causes are, like, poor coping skills, um, because usually, um, self-injury that's not suicidal is just a way of, um, the inability to, like, cope in healthy ways with psychological pain um which is like let's say um you go through a breakup or something and you can't deal with it in a healthy way instead of being like oh okay this is probably a lesson I can do better and I'll just um be a better version of myself you would just go and hurt yourself as a way to be um maybe it can even be a way to punish yourself um for something um also difficulty in managing emotions um, because, like, a person would have a hard time, like, expressing or understanding their own emotions, especially, 
um, I find out that when people, they self-injure, um, because I, I kind of personally researched this, um, usually when they self-injure, they, they're the type, um, that would always ask about other people and help other people and would literally tell everyone else not to do it, but they can't seem to take their own advice. And I mean, who doesn't do that? But the severity of it for people who self-injure is kind of high because they're obviously harming themselves um, in a way where it might not be life-threatening, but it obviously isn't good either. Um, so like the mix of emotions can also trigger self-injury. Um, like example, there might be like feelings of like worthlessness, loneliness, panic, anger, guilt, rejection. So kind of like just a bunch of um, emotions. And so what if you, I guess, um, see someone, so like if you find out someone's um, self-injuring themselves, um, some reasons might be um, to manage or reduce severe distress, anxiety, and provide a sense of relief. So maybe um, uh, they might have had like a weird encounter um, at the store. And so then they came home and they were like really anxious about it. And they were like, oh no, um, this happened. And um, so then they would just like hurt themselves as a way to just feel relieved. Um, yeah, uh, provide a distraction from painful emotions through physical pain. Um, so this can even go um, to like the example I said, a breakup. Um, I, I mean, I think breakups uh, are pretty um, painful psychologically. So maybe someone would just um, try to harm themselves physically so that they would distract themselves from the psychological pain. Um, and then some people might even self-harm just to feel a sense of control over their own body feelings or even life situations. Um, self-injury can be seen within anyone, but it's more common within children and young adults. Um, and I think that's because as, I guess, teens too, we don't really, it's like the transition between um, being fully independent from when you were basically dependent on your parents. And so sometimes I guess um, parents might be a little too protective and um, restrictive on their kids. So some kids um, might feel that they don't feel like they're living their own life. Or if like your parent um, puts an occupation on you and says you have to be a doctor or something, um, self-harm can just be a way to feel like you're taking control of yourself. Um, oh yeah, some people also self-harm just to feel something. Sometimes um, people feel emotionally empty um, for whatever reason, they just don't feel any emotions. So they would just um, harm themselves as in a way to just feel. Um, express internal feelings in an external way. So this is maybe in a way to um, call for help um, because some people, most people have trouble communicating their um, actual feelings for whatever reasons, which could be um, someone might not um, believe them might not accept them. Um, okay, so we disconnected, but um, I was basically just talking about how um, um, people who self-injure would probably just um, express their internal feelings in an internal way, oh, that external way. Um, they might communicate depression or distressful feelings to the outside world, 
So maybe um, because we know how much of a stigma mental health is, um, self-harming might just be a way for someone to, um, I guess, open the world's eyes up to um, uh, like these um, conditions people suffer from and or like punish themselves for um, mistakes or faults they're at. It can be simple things like, um, it, it sometimes doesn't even have to be their fault. They would just punish themselves and they would just hurt themselves. And so there's many risk factors that would also, um, I guess, impact one's decision to self-harm, which is having friends who self-injure. That would definitely, like if they have a friend they know that self-injures often, um, they might want to try it out, I guess, or because they might think that that method is working for the friend, they would try it out. Life issues, um, I'm pretty sure that's self-explanatory. Mental health issues, and then alcohol or drug use. Um, doctors have actually said that self-injury, um, self-injuring, like self-harming and cutting and all that is, um, for kids, it's, it's, it's wait, self-injury in kids, in young adults is, equal like it equals to cocaine which is a drug that um people take and um the purpose of it is just to release emotions like release emotions um so yeah um and so there's complications meaning you might have worsening feelings of shame um and guilt and low self-esteem for you know hurting yourself um, you might get an effect infection from the wound or from sharing tools, I guess, depending on what you use. Permanent scars or disfigurement. You can, like, hurt yourself to the point where, you know, you can maybe cut off something. Severe, possibly fatal injury. Um, or then worsening of underlying issues um, and disorders, if not treated. Obviously, suicide risk is... Um, still there even though this is a non-suicidal um self-injury um and so preventions are basically just to um identify when someone's at risk and offer help um encourage expansions of social networks where someone can reach out to if they're feeling these awareness about the warning signs of self-injury and um just what self-injury is in the non-suicidal way and then encourage your friends to um, get help when they need it rather than just bottling it up. And obviously talk about it in the media. Um, and then some quick treatments. I mean, you can't really treat it unless you find out it's an underlying uh, psychological condition. Then you can just treat the person for that condition as well as self-harm. And so most people would get like um, psychotherapy. Um, for different types like cognitive behavioral therapy, um, mindfulness-based therapies, they might get medication, which are not um, specific to treating self-injuring behavior. But if you're like diagnosed with a mental health disorder, um, you'd get medication for that. And if you injure yourself um, like excessively, you would get hospitalized, like psychiatric hospitalization. Um, it's often for a short term, but it, it'll be more of a safe environment and more intensive treatment until you get through that phase. Um, so I guess that's a pretty long. Oh wait, car. Um, that's a pretty long overview of non-suicidal sex.
about self-injury. So if you guys have any questions, I can probably answer them. Um, I like, I think, throughout the thing, how you, like, mentioned the severity of it and how it's non-suicidal. That, obviously, like you said, is not talked about enough, like, at all. Because there are so many stereotypes about it. I've heard so many. Even, like, people don't even realize they're stereotyping it, which is a big thing. Obviously, because it's not talked about enough. But, like, one person can be sad and they'll be like, oh, you're depressed. Like, that's another stereotype. That's, Mm -hmm. like, depression is talked about, I guess, more, but not in the right way, I guess. Because it's, like... Uh, for example, someone is crying and some like about let's say anything at this point, and they'll be like, "Oh, you're depressed." Obviously, that's not what depression is. Same thing with this. It's like there are so many small stereotypes that kind of like add up, and you can kind of see how much of like what reality is versus what like people show it to be, you know. And I like how you touched on that. Mm-hmm. For sure, because like um. Okay, maybe most people don't want to admit it, but for sure, for no, not for sure, for sure, I know that at least everyone who's like everyone who's lived on Earth has self-injured. The severity of it, I guess, does matter, but it it can be something as small as just rubbing your skin to burn it, and it can maybe you might not get a scar or something, but your intention was um. Maybe you were angry and you were just doing that as a way to release the anger. Or maybe you were mad about something and you felt like it was your fault. So you just did that as a way to, I guess, feel like you're punishing yourself. So it would, I guess, lessen the weight of um, the guilt, I guess. Um, So I'm pretty sure everybody's um, self-injured. But because of how the media um, portrays um, suicide and... um, how suicide isn't, I guess, researched properly within the modern world. Um, people just think anything which is hurting yourself a little intentionally is someone trying to take their own life. Anyone else want to explain theirs? Oh, yeah, I'll go. Um, Okay, so mine is, um, what's it called? DID. So DID is um, Dissociative Identity Disorder, and it was previously known as Multiple Personality Disorder, but they, like, changed the name. Um, So it's basically a disorder in which a person alternates between one or more alters alternate personalities that function with separate memory and awareness and adapt with amnesia between them. So basically, um, instead of calling it different personalities, they use the word alters. Um, And so when you switch, like people usually switch to a different alter. And so when they are switching, they basically uh, dissociate and they don't have any memory of what they were doing when they switched personality uh, when they switched their alters so um so the reason behind did is uh child like your 
as a child, your personality was unable to fully develop into one singular one. So, um, uh, so like if there was repeated trauma before like the normal age of development, which is around uh, like age uh, seven to nine, then the brain can't deal with it. And like, you can't fully um, develop a personality. So it just splits in a sense and you have like multiple alters and stuff like that um and like the ability to dissociate which is like dissociating is like kind of like just going away like not paying I don't it's kind of hard to explain what dissociating is it's like um I don't know how to explain it um it's you basically like for example, if you were having a panic attack, it's something traumatic for your body and your um, like mental health. So you dissociate. So you kind of like move back, and you can you can kind of see yourself in like a third person view. So it's kind of like like you're not really there in a sense. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I mean- okay. Yeah. So they dissociate, and then so like because as a child they were able to dissociate and they had a lot of trauma um uh, stops them from uh, developing one full personality and so you have multiple personalities instead of one so you can have like a few up to a hundred alters and they all have different ages some like don't age whatsoever they all have different races different um genders and sexualities and they even take like it's completely different people inside one body um so i was watching a video about this where um someone with did was like being interviewed and they had like a like a alters and ages more like eternal so like like, they, they don't, don't have an age. age. Um, and some, like, just stay the same age. So they're 16 for however long the body, the body dies. So that's just how they stay in age. Um, uh, so each altar has, like, their own dreams and wishes. So, like, you can't just say it's one person. And because, like, it, it's not really it's like multiple people in one body um and so some people with did have co-consciousness so this is when two or more two or more alters sharing con share consciousness at the same time and like some people have this and most people don't because most people like they just switch but they don't know what happens when they switch so they don't have any like memories from when they switch and so but with co-consciousness have all the memories in a sense so you so like instead of one person being in the driving seat there's two people or like like three or whatever like you can use what's happening but if you don't have co-consciousness then like you don't remember whatsoever um and with co-consciousness you can like uh what's it called communicate internally so you can talk to the different personality uh alters in like your head and, like, not a lot of people can do that. Only some people can do that. <clears throat> so they're basically, like, coordinate, like, 
like coordinating in the dark. Like they don't know when they're gonna switch and who's gonna like come up front and stuff like that. So for example, um, in an interview, one person who had the ID, they said they had a friend who, um, whenever they drove, like they were driving their car, um, they would switch and then that alter would not like wouldn't know what they were doing. So they they would go back home and then they would switch again and then they would keep going back and forth and it would like take them three hours to just get one place. So like they don't really know what's happening in between. So I mean what they did was they just um wrote down in like their phone, like on their notepad, like where they need to go. So if they switched they knew where to go and not to go back home. Um so like each um alter has like a each altar has like a job in a sense. I'm not gonna go through all of them. I only like know a few. Um, so the person who fronts the most and the one who's like um, usually the one who's out the most is called the host, and they they're the ones that were, you could say like the person there in a sense. Like they were like you get what I mean. Like they were the first ones there, mm-hmm. and then the other ones developed. Like the one who was there. Um, when they were uh, when they were experiencing the traumatic events and stuff like that, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But like the other personalities were there, but they just didn't like front ever. And so, um, like this, the one person who fronts the most is called the host, and they're usually unaware that they have DID. And um, all other alters can also like also might not know that they have DID because like the whole DID have it because like like um in the interview the um one of the uh people said like you're supposed to know you have DID like your brain doesn't tell you you're not supposed to know and so when you get diagnosed with it like your brain kind of goes crazy but then it like it's fine after so um and then there's also um uh, the protector who protects the body and like the DID system. And so they like protect your mental health and stuff like that. And there's a bunch of other rules. Um, like there's the trauma holder who's like the person who like specifically holds the trauma, like it's the one that had like had it in a sense and stuff like that. So there's like a bunch of roles that you can research on. Um, yeah. And then uh, just like, a fun fact like one to three percent of the population has did some people might not know it and some people might know it like it really depends yeah any questions no and like i didn't know much about this so it's kind of good like like knowing about it because i knew something like this existed but there's like so many details i didn't know about so like yeah like in Hollywood, they don't represent it properly. Like, have you guys seen the movie Split? No. No. Oh. I've heard okay, of well, it, but I haven't watched it. It's like a horror movie where the person has DID, but like he's a like they're a murderer. So it's like it gives bad representation because in the like in the interview, like people the people were talking about how um, people when like they were about to switch their friend, like their newest friends or whatever would be really scared that, like, they were going to murder them. Like, it, it just gives a horrible representation of the uh, disorder. Oh, that's so cool. 
Um, <clears throat> I knew about mon- like multiple personalities, but I didn't, I guess, know the specifics. But it, it literally fascinates me so much because, like, um, I think I've read something or watched something that um, somebody like, I guess, did have um, different personalities, like the host, the protector, um, and all those stuff. And so when you said that, I was like, isn't it kind of scary how like one traumatic event can just I guess like like how do I explain this like just one event kind of gave one person like three other identities like it's not really like one event it's multiple events Mm -hmm. I I don't think like from what I saw like from what I research it they say it's like multiple events not just like one or maybe one reoccurring event so have do you do do any of you read webtoons? Okay, I'm mm-hmm. guessing not. Yeah, okay. I mean I used to. Um, well, um, there's a webtoon, it's basically called My Deepest Secret, and it's just about um like the first season, um, basically just portrayed this girl who's really, really, really kind and um she's basically her boyfriend is a murderer and he's murdering literally everyone she talks um and then at the end of the season we found out that she was actually the murderer and that her boyfriend she actually killed she like killed him a long time ago and she's been the one who had like different personalities um as then season two was basically just about how she got to what she got to and it basically was just trauma because her mother didn't want her um and her father would um was an alcoholic and he would abuse her um, and so then she met her, I guess, boyfriend when she was in, like, kindergarten or something, and then she saw how loved he was, and his mom loved him, too, and so she tried to get closer to him just to, I guess, manipulate and take everything from him, and so, I don't know, I just find it so cool, not in a bad way, like, like, not in a bad way that, oh, it's so cool how people, you know, suffer from this, it, it's just, like, in a way, um, like it's just a discovery that I didn't know about um and it's really cool to hear that I guess things like this can exist because I never thought um I guess the world was um not developed per se but that advanced to you know um figure out what these things are yeah and it's like and I think by cool you just mean it's really interesting to think about like Mm -hmm. different ways it exists you know like in the what you mean by cool is like for example, let's say you're in like science class and you like learning about biology and you'll think certain of the like the diseases which not cool in like the way that okay that disease is cool like the people who have it like in the sense that it's interesting to know and the fact that like technology and everything is so um advanced I guess fire is medically, like, medically identifying it, that's crazy. Yeah. I think it was, like, discovered, like, a, a while ago. I don't remember exactly. It was said in the video. If you guys want to watch the video, it's on Anthony Padilla's uh, YouTube channel. You know the guy from Smosh? If no, any of you guys... Okay. Well, his name is Anthony Padilla, and he, like, interviews, like, three people with DID. So it's, like, really interesting. Uh, okay, I'll for sure watch that. 
do, do you also want to present your second one or I mean yeah this is like less I didn't do as much research on this but it's called Alice in Wonderland syndrome and so it's a rare condition that causes temporary episodes of distorted per- perception and disorientation so like you may like feel larger or smaller than you actually are and you may find like the room you're in or like the furniture like it seems to like shift either move closer or farther away than it really is um and so um these aren't like hallucinations um they're they're caused because uh, by the changes of how your brain perceives the environment you're in and how your body looks so it's not like a hallucination it's just your brain kind of like being weird and like kind of like looking differently of how like things are around you um and this syndrome can like affect multiple senses such touch and hearing so you may even lose sense of time so like it could move faster than you're thinking or it can move slower than you're thinking and um it's also known as Todd's syndrome because it was first identified in the 1950s by Dr. John Todd. Um, he said the symptoms were closely resembled to episodes that the character Alice Little experienced in the Alice in Wonderland book. Um, so that's why it's called Alice in Wonderland syndrome because it's like kind of like the thing she experienced in the book. And it primarily affects children and young adults because it grows out of, like, most people, like, grow out of it as they age, but it's still possible to experience it in adulthood, and it's estimated that 10 to 20 percent of the population has this syndrome, which is kind of a lot, but I feel like people don't really know what it is, and so they don't go see a doctor. They might just think they're hallucinating. Really 10 to 20 percent? Yep. I think it's just mostly children because then it grows out of you. Mm-hmm. But still, that's that's because I didn't really know about it until I like searched up uncommon mental. <laughs> I I literally didn't know about it until so when I read the name Alice in the Wonderland syndrome. I was like, what? Like you know, this is so interesting. What is it? And so then when I read it, I was like, is that even like it's so fascinating how I guess sciences and technologies are able to um discover these mental conditions because for one you can't even see them for two the symptoms might not be as accurate um to i guess what the overall condition is and for three like who would have even thought this existed yeah yeah i mean i definitely didn't know about it um and it's like like asha mentioned it's like um the fact that they figured out and how to like test people for it too because a lot of symptoms especially in mental health disorders aren't like that specific they're generalized because each person kind of deals with it or has it in has different symptoms and has like a different version of it I guess if that makes any sense yeah the symptoms are pretty generalized and most of the ones I saw too they're like general and like not that specific because it's like person specific. Uh, each person can have like different level of symptoms, I guess. Yeti, did you have a second one? Uh, I did. So um, my second one 
was a borderline personality disorder, which basically involves uh, how you feel about yourself and others. Uh, it basically is just uh, uncontrollable feelings and behavior, anger, impulsiveness, and frequent mood, uh, mood swings that can basically ruin how, uh, you know, uh, your relationships with other people. So symptoms, you know, would be um, obviously unstable uh, relationships, you know, outbursts of emotion, impulsiveness and anger, like I've uh, said, suicidal thoughts, um, uh, risky behavior, so gambling, drunk driving, drug abuse, etc. And a feeling of emptiness and intense anger, right? So mostly just not being able to control uh, how you feel. And uh, yeah, basically around that. The causes, there aren't really proper, like, guaranteed causes, right? But some of the main ones that I found were that uh, environment, there were environmental factors such as child abuse, childhood abuse, or neglect, or it may come from uh, genetics, or uh, brain abnormal, abnormalities. So parts of the brain that manage these uh, emotions, if they have some abnormalities that uh, cannot manage it, then you may see these uh, symptoms. And treatment, it's very much like uh, PTSD. So a mix of uh, psychotherapy and medication. So obviously learning about your symptom, how to cope with it, identifying the symptoms, and just knowing more about it in general. Yeah, okay, so um, is there anything to add on? Does anyone have anything to add on? Um, so basically, um, so basically, I guess, kind of, uh, how do I say this? Um, because, like, some of the symptoms you mentioned are, deal a lot with, I guess, um, emotions and, I guess, mood changes. So, in a way, it's similar to bipolar disorder yes it's kind of in that range i believe uh, from my research i see okay that pretty much wraps our uh, discussion today see us in our next episode for abusive relationships and uh have a great day guys bye bye